you have your Bibles with you, I'm anxious to share with you from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the first seven verses, we're going to find a, a, a part of the sacred gospel that Jesus Christ made available from the cross of Calvary to this Sunday morning as we gather to worship. So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you have. Uh, do you have your Bibles? Let me see the Bibles that are here. Yes, I remember back, uh, I'd been in the ministry probably six months went to an associational meeting and uh, had no idea. The fact of the matter is I had left my Bible in the car, went with one of the deacons of the church, and we went to the associational meeting and uh, we uh, went in, sat down, and they had a few things to say. And uh, one of the, the moderator, I guess it was, said, it's customary for the new preacher on the block to bring the message. Whoa. I didn't even have my Bible. Well, that taught me a mighty lesson. The lesson that I was taught when I was a young boy hoeing tobacco. I went out to the tobacco patch one day to hoe and I didn't have my hoe. And I told the deacon that went with me that day that story. And from then on, for the next 20 years, he called my Bible the hoe. Clinton Armstrong. You probably could have guessed. <laughs> I'm anxious to share with you this morning the story of Jesus again. You know, we were sitting at the table last night and uh, began to return thanks, ask the blessing on the food, and I became so overwhelmed, was so anxious to come today. I really was. I, I just realized that what an opportunity we have again that's afforded every one of us to gather in God's house, to worship, to lift up his name, to sing about him, to look, take a peep through the windows of heaven and see a little bit of what one day we will see a lot. So if you have your Bibles again with you, would you turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 7. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Therefore, Paul said, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them." For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. May God add his blessings to those special words today. Bow with us once again as we pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for being able to look at your word, to listen to you speak, and I know in loud tones of love you have just said, therefore seeing, therefore that we realize how awesome a God that we know and love and, and that we want to serve. Guide us now, Lord, as we worship you today, as we listen to you speak to hearts, as we respond to your call, and as we do your will in each of our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. 
the sacred gospel. You know, all week long I've been thinking about the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of God that is written in his word all the way from Genesis to Revelations. It is the gospel of Jesus. Even before Jesus, it's the gospel. Uh, the gospel of God to the world. And, you know, I've often looked at the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, is God offering salvation, promising eternal life. And that's what the gospel is. God offering salvation, even this morning, and promising eternal life to all who say yes to that love that he has for the entire world. And as I began to think about that, I realized that the Bible contains those sacred promises that he wants the world to read. And, you know, uh, I heard someone say, do you have a red Bible? And Well, no, it's black. But I mean red, R-E-A-D. Do you have a red Bible? Uh, how many hundred times have you heard me say, if you don't know the will of God, don't know the word of God, you won't know the will of God. I had it backwards. That's it. Thank you for teaching me again. I haven't said it very many times. Is written in the Bible, the plan of salvation. How awesome it is to know that God has written it down. The hope for a world that is lost is written in the Bible. How important that makes it. The directions of God that he wants to give every person is written in the Bible that he wants to give us. And that's how important the Bible is. Paul begins our reading here that it simply says, take another look. Take another thought about what God's all about, what the gospel is and how it is presented in God's word. That we are called to walk by faith by faith in Jesus Christ, believing that God has that plan of salvation that was presented in the first place to the Jews only. And as we read the Bible, we realize that God brought the gospel in and through and to the Jewish nation. But Paul was a person who God would put in place in order to present the gospel to the entire world. The world as would be Jew and Gentile and whatever else there is, and even today, all are included in the promise of salvation. But it is a gospel of ifs. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we believe in our heart that Jesus came and gave his life for us, if we confess our hearts, if we believe in the divine purpose that Jesus had on the cross, if we believe that he can save our soul, then that seems to me that salvation hinges upon the little word if. If you do believe, you can be saved. What an awesome promise it is. So it's an if call today as we listen to God's word. And God has not made an automatic promise that he will save the world entirely without hinging upon the desires of the world. And that is what we need to see as we look at this. As again, I say it's an if world. It's an if question that God has a sacred promise that he will give all who would say yes to that. There's a great danger, a big danger in the world today of believing that there is a God somewhere up yonder. Someone just gave me a copy of the Koran and I didn't take much time with it. I didn't want to. But it took enough time to realize that the God of the Koran is dead. The God of our Christian faith is alive. That's a vast difference. Although they believe in the capital G-O-D and I do and they do and did, I believe. We need to understand that God, salvation comes through and by way of Jesus Christ. I do not want to go talk against any religious group at all, but I do believe that 
whereby we can be saved is through the word and the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. There's no other way whereby man can be saved except that. There is no other way. It's simple as it is. It's, it's a no-brainer, as some have said, that Jesus is the answer for your life. Jesus is the answer for this world. We do not need more programs. We do not need more uh, situations to help here, yonder, and everywhere. We need God. We need Jesus Christ, the incarnate God that came to say love in the loud tones of, of a notion that God wanted to say and how important that is. One of the things I realize and I see and I've seen it in my own life that things do get in the way. Things do hamper and hinder our walk of faith with God. It's all there is to it, as simple as it can be. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We like sheep have gone astray, but there is an answer and the Bible has it. But I found out in a little story I read this last week how that may relate to what the Bible wants to say to us about problems, things getting in the way of walking the right way for God. And that is in early days of aviation. A man was going to fly around the world. And as he began to, to make his flight, two hours into the flight, he heard a gnawing in the back of the cabin of the plane sounded like a, a, a mouse, a rat, or something gnawing on the wires. He was so put out, what in the world? He's two hours out, and it's two hours to the next landing, and, and he, he knew that the thing could do damage before he got either way. And so he realized that a rat is a rodent, and a rat cannot stand high places. So he began to climb in the plane, 1,000, 2,000, and he got so high that all of a sudden the gnawing stopped, and he went on his way. And he landed, and he found a dead rat. See, it couldn't live in the heights of the atmosphere that he flew to. And sin is a rodent. Sin is a rat in your life. And it cannot survive in the high altitudes of the atmosphere of the Most High. We need to rise to the height that sin cannot exist. And that's a tall order. God will help us can't live, sin can't, in the atmosphere of, of God's love. I like to read the story in, in the book of Acts where a man by the name of Saul, well, he was Saul for a while until he met Jesus. And after he met Jesus, his, not only was his life changed, but his name was changed. He became, he changed from Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Pardon. And he was a person who was so ready to serve God even in the beginning when he was leaving Jesus out. We're living in a world that leaving too much of God's promise out of their lives, and I believe that we need to ask God to help us. I want to make a serious invitation to you today in the early parts of the message that God has given me to give you, and I challenge you right now, this very moment. Would you bow with me for just a moment? I want, please bow with me. I want to challenge you, friends, as we bow together. If there is something in your life that could be a hindering cause of God not being able to work and be in the Spirit in your life and in our service this morning, would you ask God to rid you of it and then rise to the little height that we can worship God in spirit and in truth? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're ready to worship. I believe God is ready to deal with us in an awesome and a most profound way if we would just listen to what he'd have to say. In Paul's writing, 
what was going on. The world was doing what the world is doing today. Tearing at the very fiber of this church and what the world was in, intended to be like. And in that, in that situation, Paul was able to write to the church, therefore seeing, listen to me, about the awesomeness of God and the power that will prevail even in the midst of problems and troubles. He said, listen, the devil is like a roaring lion also. He's a rat and a roaring lion also, trying to tear it down. I heard someone say one day that the church is dying. The church is dwindling away. I want you to know this very Sunday morning, today, August the 7th, the church is alive and it will not die. It is not going to die. Satan can just as well mark it down in his little old sin book because the church is alive and it will be alive and it's getting dressed for the rapture and when Jesus comes, I'm going to be there whether dead or alive, the death does not hamper or hinder us from being a part of the resurrection, I'll jump out of the grave and join Jesus, just as you if you're gone. But I believe that we need to understand that God has so much, and we do sometimes on so little. Uh, a family had gone on a cruise. The fact of it is, we went on a cruise, ended up in the Holy Land. I don't know if I told you that or not. <laughs> but I was afraid to eat a lot of the food and we eat peanut butter and crackers till I thought I'd never eat one again. But speaking of peanut butters and crackers, I remember reading a story about the a family went on a cruise. They had a couple of children. They weren't really able to afford much of the luxury that they were on and the little boy said to the dad, said, Dad, I'm hungry. And he handed him a nickel. Go to the... the whatever concessions, and get whatever that nickel will get you. The little boy took the nickel and he was gone. He was gone, and he was gone. And 30 minutes later, he finally come back, and the dad said, Son, how in the world did you eat a nickel's worth and take that long to do it? Oh, he said, Dad, the food was included in the price of the fare. The food is included in the price of the journey that you are on today as a child of God. The spiritual food... The, the nourishment that you can have that'll keep you from having spiritual malnutrition and liking a little knowing that the strength of God can come by way of that spiritual food. Sometimes we do on too little. Read a story about uh, in Russia several years ago, they, they let up on the churches somewhat on the religious groups that were existing there and let them have a place of worship for just a limited thing. And the few met that were church people, they met at a particular place, and one of the, one of the fellows that met, or ladies, I'm not sure, anyway, they said, what are we going to name the church? And one of the gentlemen said, I tell you what, we're going to meet again next Sunday, and I'll have the name on the front of the church. Okay, so they left. The next Sunday morning, they all showed up, and they're on the front of this little building, the meeting place for worship. It said, the Lamb won. You see, for Russia, the symbol, what is it, a bear? Is a bear. For America, the symbol is an eagle. For God, the kingdom of God, it's a lamb. And the Lamb won. The Lamb will win the war. You know, we lose a few battles but we do win the war. I've read the last page, the last chapter, and the last book. And God will overcome.
and we shall also be gathered with him in the overcoming celebration that's going to be one day in the sky. Paul was a person who didn't have his life in order. Though he believed in Almighty God, he had left out Jesus until that day on the Damascus Road, Jesus Christ entered his life, blinded him physically and spiritually until he could find his way to understand just what had taken place in Paul's life. As I said, it changed his name to, from Saul to Paul, but that's not all and that's not the main that it changed. Changed his spiritual existence. His soul was saved. But you know what took place in Paul's life that I like to read about? And that is the fact that it wasn't just Paul and God. It wasn't just Paul and Jesus. It was, Paul, it was Jesus and Paul and Ananias. You remember the story. God, uh, Jesus told Paul, I want you to go into the street called Straight, Straight Street, uh, and there I want you to find a man called Ananias. But God did not just tell Paul to do that and leave Ananias blind to the fact. He told Ananias that someone is coming that's going to be an instrument in my hands that will change the world. And he changed our world today because he was obedient to the Spirit, Paul that is. Ananias was a little bit reluctant, and yet he believed in God and the power that he had that God would give him. And Paul came, Ananias met him, and I just love the first words that Ananias said to Paul. Placed his hands on his shoulder or on his head or on his side or whatever it might have been. Brother Saul, even Jesus loves you and wants to help you find salvation. You have an awesome task to tell someone about Jesus. There is a lost person in your family, in your life, a friend circle that you might have, someone that is lost. And they could go in, out into eternity without Jesus had you not been the Ananias that would put your hand on them and the word of faith that would cause them to be saved. That's an awesome responsibility. That's an awesome opportunity. That's an awesome privilege that you have as a child of God. Are you going to let God use you? You're going to let God show you as you perceive God's will. Sometimes I know that it's kind of hard to uh, know what God's up to in your life. I've been there. I guess I was probably 40, three or four years old before I really knew for sure what God wanted me to do and I'd done work at a place for 22 years. But I believe that the song that says he's still working on me, I believe that God is working on his people today. I believe that Christian people must rise to the fact that we have an awesome opportunity to help him and it needs to begin today. So I'm going to ask you in the invitation time, is there something that you need to do today that even life would not afford you the opportunity to do tomorrow? Is there something that you need to do for God? He's listening and he's desiring so to be so revealed in your life that you could not say no to that love that he has for every one of us. God bless you as you strive to do the will of God and to understand and realize the sacred gospel is from God. Extended hand to you, to all who would believe. Would you bow with us in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you today for your love. We thank you today for uh, your care that you've given us and your promise that we can know and the gospel 
that brings about the salvation for our soul. Lord, we're so awesome at the fact that you did that for us. You gave your life that we could have eternal life. You shed your blood that you could wash our sins with that blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and we love you. Guide us now in this, your invitation. Let it be what you want it to be today in every one of our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.